Welcome to All Things Sleep and Parenting. I'm Pam. And I'm Elisa. We are holistic infant and child sleep consultants with a background in early childhood education. And we're the founders of Restful Parenting. And I'm Heidi. I'm also an early childhood educator and the owner of Blossom Early Learning. Join us as we chat all things sleep, parenting, development, and everything in between. Be sure to hit subscribe and share with your friends and family. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Pam, and with me, I have Elisa. Hello. And, gosh, we've been so lucky lately, but we have another expert interview, and this week we have Ali Prevo. Hello. Hello, Ali. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So before we jump in, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Ali. So Ali is a registered physiotherapist and has been practicing for the past 10 years. While she treats aches and pains from head to toe, she's developed a passion for pelvic physiotherapy, working with people to help resolve concerns in relation to their bladder and bowels and to help improve and manage pelvic pain. She's most recently developed an interest and has trained to work with children with pelvic concerns, including pain, bowel and bladder dysfunctions and bedwetting. She has two young kids of her own and lives and works in North Bay. However, with the rise in virtual healthcare is able to work with families anywhere. I love that you focus on that pelvic um, area for adults as well as children, but what led you to focusing on children? Um, you know, I always, I've always thought that I would end up in pediatrics. Like that has always been an interest of mine. I've like been a babysitter, a camp counselor, a swimming instructor, like it's always my go-to. And, and so throughout physiotherapy schooling, like that was sort of always where my head went. Um, and I kind of stumbled into pelvic physio. Um, and so it was, yeah, unexpected to end up in pelvic physio. I sort of drew the short straw when it came to work placements for in physio school. Okay. It was my, my final placement. Um, and I, I was sort of at the bottom of the lottery system and, and ended up at a placement with a pelvic physio and all of us students really didn't know what it was and were not comfortable with the concept. And so nobody really wanted to do it, but I ended up there and ended up falling in love with pelvic physio. So I sort of went the route of pelvic physio instead of pediatrics, thinking that pediatrics was probably sort of done. I wouldn't continue with that or, or branch into that until I discovered that I could apply pelvic physio to pediatrics when it comes to, yeah, bowel and bladders and bedwetting and that kind of thing. So it was um, a kind of a neat discovery a few years ago when I started training in this field. That's awesome because it, for so many years, I think not only has the pelvic um, been ignored, the pelvic area and, and physiotherapy in that area has been ignored, especially postpartum. We did an interview with one of your colleagues, MJ Forgette as well about pelvic floor physiotherapy. So we know the importance of it, but you know, we don't, we don't spend enough time with it with children. And I think that's fantastic that you branched out um, into that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's, and I think it's a fun fit because I mean, nobody likes pee and poo more than kids, so, <laughs> you know, that awkwardness and taboo, you know, topic is, uh, it's not too bad with kids. They're, they're the best at it. Something they love to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
One of the questions we get asked most with preschoolers when it comes to toilet training is nap and nighttime toilet training. So we've got, you know, questions on when do I nap train my little one when they're, you know, talking about toilet training? How, how do you feel about that? Is that something that we need to do? Or is that something that just comes along with age a little bit and, and the maturity? Yeah, so it's, yeah, more the latter, like it comes along with, with age, it really, the, you know, the daytime training comes down to, are they cognitively able to, to understand, and physically, you know, around three years of age, they have should have full control of their pelvic floor muscles. But at nighttime, it's really more of, yeah, developmental milestone, you know, their bladder needs to be large enough and their brains need to be sort of mature enough to communicate with the bladder. And so it's not typically something that we train at night. Um, it's something that more so just comes, kind of comes naturally. And, and it's something they do grow into. For some kids, it happens around the same time as daytime training. Um, but on average, it's usually about 10, 10 months to a year difference between a child typically being daytime trained and nighttime trained. Yeah, I would say it's more so just physiologically. It's not something that is as trainable as daytime. Well, I, I love how you said that because that is right in line with <laughs> what, what we usually recommend to our families okay, as well. But exactly. it, it always helps to hear it from, you know, an expert as yes. well, right? I mean, we're Pam and I are experts in our field of, you know, the parenting journey, but you are an expert in your field. So it's, you know, it helps to hear that. Good. Yes, that's one of our big things is we kind of say when they're dry, it's been a couple of weeks, then you can um, try without the, the diapers or pull-ups. Um, I do like that 10 months to a year. That's what you said, right? 10 months to a year. Yeah, yeah. so on average, so again, you, we can t consider it like a developmental milestone, right? So just like crawling or walking, you know, every child is going to be a bit different, but on average, the, it's 10 months. So so, you know, give yourself a year to sort of see what happens after you daytime train them. And then exactly what you said, Pam, that it's, you know, you, they'll start naturally waking up dry at nap time and or nighttime. And, and that's when you sort of know physiologically their body is, is ready. Um, and part of that too, is we do secrete a hormone at night, like an antidiuretic hormone, meaning a hormone that stops our kidneys from producing urine at night. So that's why as older kids and adults, we don't have to get up several times a night to pee is because our, our kidneys sort of shut down at night. And, and for some children, the secretion of that hormone happens earlier than others. So um, in a lot of cases, it just, it is what it is. Um, it, they may, it might be three years old or it might be closer to six years old that they're fully secreting that hormone that stops their bladder from producing the urine at night. Interesting. And that really, that really helps give parents that expectation as well, because I know when you start doing daytime toilet training, you're just so eager to go and you're just so eager to continue and do the nights and the naps all at once when it really doesn't have to be 
that you just do them all at once, especially if you're dealing with a child who wasn't quite ready and, and now you're changing sheets multiple times a night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not yeah. fun for anyone. Mm -mm. Um, and, and, and I liked, uh, like that you said as well, it, it's, it's that range I've had, I've had my own out of my own four, I've had that full range. I've had them day train and night train the same day. And I've had day trained and a couple years later, um, mm -hmm. still working on the night training. Right. So it's, um, or not working on it, but waiting for it type thing. So it is, it is one of those things that, uh, is independent to each individual child. Mm -hmm. That's really and, important. And to give people an idea too, on average, like at the age of three, about 50% of kids are dry at night. And by the age of six, it's closer to 90%. Yeah, so, so that sort of gives you a, a picture mm -hmm. of that window too. And, and yeah, sometimes you, there's just stop parts of it that just aren't trainable. Okay. Now, when we're talking about bedwetting, uh, what do we, when do we come, when do we become concerned? So like that you said that kind of three to six, six, 90% of them, but what about that last 10%? What do, what are we looking at there? How are we helping those ones who maybe are hitting that age six, seven, and are still having some night weddings? So, so I would say, yeah, before the age of six, if there's no other concerns, they're not daytime wedding or having poop accidents, then, you know, wait till that sixth birthday. And then beyond that, um, that's when, yeah, we want to start looking into what else might be going on and, and, you know, what might be at the root of it. And in 90% of those cases, it's that the child is actually severely constipated. So what happens is, these children, you know, it's commonly, commonly children become constipated when they're being toilet trained or when they go off to school. So when they're toilet training, we're, you know, we're training them to hold in, hold things back, right? Hold in your pee, hold in your poo. Um, and so they become really good holders um, and a little too good and, and they can become constipated and, and backed up. And, it, and it's different than in adults, like in children have such a small pelvis and they, they'll hold back the poop and then the poop will pile up and pile up and it'll stretch out the rectum, which sits right beside the bladder. And it'll actually start pushing on the bladder and limiting the space of like flattening out the bladder so they can't hold as much pee. So they might be able to control this during the day, but at nighttime, they just don't have enough space in their bladder to get through the night. Um, so the number one thing to look into is, is constipation. Like I say, it really is 90% of these cases is that these children are severely constipated. Um, and constipation in kids, it doesn't, it looks very different than it does in adults in, in children you know, you might think, oh, my child, they poop once a day and, um, you know, there's, there's not a true, they don't think they're constipated, but often because they're still going every day. I hear this often. My, yeah, my daughter was severely constipated and mm -hmm. she was actually having very large bowel movements. Yes. And so I was thinking, there's no way she's constipated. Look mm -hmm. at what's coming out of her. But that was a sign. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is. Yeah. We think in adults, it's that you're, you have, you know, really hard poop or you're only pooping every several days, but for children, there's many different signs of constipation and they're exactly the opposite of what we would think. Like in, in that case, like a, a very, very large poop indicates they're probably constipated. Um, even if they're getting like skid marks or even having loose stools, um, it can mean they're constipated. Um, and so really, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, but it really is these kids being really backed up with poop and it's, and it's starting to push and, and irritate their bladder. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so it's, yeah. So as far as like resources for, for parents, if I find, um, bedwettingandaccidents.com. Okay. That's a site, um, out of the States. Dr. Hodge is a pediatric urologist. Um, and he has lots of good sort of parent and family friendly information about bedwetting. And, um, and you can find there, you can find like a list of sort of signs that your child is constipated. Um, but we can almost assume if they're over six years old and they don't have any other medical concerns that there's a high, high chance that the problem is constipation. And if we can resolve that, um, then the bedwetting can often get under control. Fantastic. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's really interesting because that, um, that bowel movement of, but they're going every day because, because mm -hmm. like we said, even if it's, some of it is coming out, right? Even if it looks like a regular bowel movement, it could still be constipation. So definitely we will link um, that resource in the description. So if you are concerned, uh, hit up that resource for sure and uh, take that, find out if if you think that your child is constipated or not first for sure yeah yeah we do uh, have a question um on whether you feel that families should be waking their children up at night to take them to the bathroom so i would say i'd go back to that sort of six years of age i would say if they're under six and they're and they're still wetting the bed at night um, and you, you want them out of pull-ups for whatever reason, but they're still wetting and you find that wait, you know, getting them up to go pee before you go to sleep. If that's working for you, then go ahead and do that. But if they're over the age of six, then let's start to get at the root cause of what's going on. So, um, yeah, maybe the constipation or, or maybe seeing the doctor about, is there anything else to look into? But if they're, yeah, I would say if they're over the age of six, that we need to start getting at the root of it rather than, than sort of continuing on. Because you mentioned that hormone, was it a hormone that you had mentioned? So yeah. is that something that can be checked through a blood test? Is that something? Yeah, that, that's something that the doctor can help with. And there, and it'll be up to the doctor, but there is a medication that can be given that sometimes they'll prescribe that sort of mimics that hormone and they can use this in one-off situations. So for example, say you have a 12 year old and they are going for a sleepover. They can take the medication that one night and okay. then come off of it. So it's not something, it's not 
a medication that is successful sort of as a full treatment, but okay. it is something that can be used as, as a one-off um, until they start secreting that hormone. And, and it's, there's a, after the age of six, sort of there's a 15% chance every year that they'll outgrow the bedwetting. So it can still happen after the age of six, uh, but it just, it's, yeah, it slows down that the likelihood. Okay. So if a, if a parent, you know, or a family, if they were concerned about bedwetting at an older age, they can reach out to you. You can sort of point them in the direction of what they need to do first, or is it their doctor that they see first and then you after? Yeah, I would say either or. Yeah. Depending on yeah what kind of relationship you have with your doctor. And um, I'm happy, you know, to chat, I chat with parents over the phone, you know, often. Uh, so just to sort of get an idea of what's going on. So either or, um, you know, you can come to physiotherapy without a doctor's referral. It's, it's just some insurance companies, just like you sometimes would need a doctor's note for a massage appointment or for a physio appointment. Insurance companies sometimes require that you see the doctor first, but if that's not a barrier, then you can just come and or call or email and we can sort of chat through sort of the best route forward. That's great. Awesome. So, so bedwetting is one of those things that we can help with with that pelvic floor. We did mention in the intro, um, like pain, bowel pain, that kind of stuff. So can you just kind of chat us through what are some of the other things that families can come and see you for, um, pelvic or not related, but what are some other things that families can visit you for with their little ones? Yeah, so I would say with their little ones, yeah, the most common would be bedding bedwetting the beyond that I mean daytime wetting is another one like seeing children with who are having pee accidents and having poop accidents um it can be sort of for a lot of parents and teachers sort of a mind-boggling thing that you know grade four is pooping their pants and they don't even know that they're doing it and so pee and poop accidents are the big one Okay. Um, I've also worked too with even young athletes, like especially gymnasts who are very, very strong, have very, very strong cores. And they often are so strong and tight that when they go to practice or compete, that they end up leaking when they're jumping and competing with that high impact activity. Uh, so I see, see those kids as well um menstrual cramps do you do menstrual cramps with teenage girls <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so painful periods so as hey. kids get older that would be yeah painful periods because some of that pain is going to be hormonal and 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 there are other things we can do that might be more musculoskeletal around the abdomen and and back um to help with that so pelvic pain is is one as um, yeah as kids get older it becomes yeah more pain issues. So and and if our families want to if they're not sure if they're just not sure if this is something that they can chat with you about mm -hmm. that's a quick like you said like a quick email quick like phone call to the office and just say hey is this something that you can help me with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I often and I I find that you know parents 
prefer to just chat ahead of time and I kind of prefer it too. So if they, if they think that it might be helpful, then we'll have a conversation over the phone. And, and sometimes that, that often is helpful for them too, because then they can give me a heads up about their child, right? Like so-and-so is really shy about it and doesn't really want to talk about it, or they have, you know, this medical issue that we don't want to really talk about in front of them or so so I almost always chat with mom or dad ahead of time um so they have an idea of of sort of how we're going to move forward that's such a good point is you know to have that that private meeting without the child there just to kind of go over anything that you wouldn't want to discuss in front of them Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so if a family did need some more support and wanted to reach out to you, can you just walk us through what a visit looks like? I, I You kind of already explained that a little bit, yeah. but um, I'm sure things might be a little different with COVID now. Um, and then pre-COVID, if your office is, is your office open right now? Yeah, so I'm currently on maternity leave um, and returning in September. So I'm not seeing patients right now, um, but we'll start that back up in September. And my colleague MJ is seeing patients. So we've just recently merged with Symmetrics. So you can find us at Symmetrics. You can find MJ there now and you can find me there in the fall. Um, But yeah, when parents come, like when they come for an appointment. So again, I usually do have a phone conversation with them ahead of time. And then I send them a series of sort of intake forms that um, ask questions about the history of what's going on and any other medical concerns and their sort of peeing and pooping habits. And so they really do have a heads up about what we're going to be talking about in clinic. Um, And then really, yeah, that first appointment is is talking with mom and child um, about, about all those things that we asked on the questionnaire and and talking about pee and poo a lot and and then there is that physical assessment of um you know getting them to move around and feeling their bellies and I will say too you know with pelvic physiotherapy a part of it with the adult population is doing an internal exam so vaginally or rectally to assess the pelvic floor and I do want to be super clear that we never, like under no circumstance, do I do an internal on a child. Okay. Um, so to, I will, you know, I will have them, you know, pretend that they're holding back their pee and I might look at their bum to see if, if I can see the muscles working, but there's no internal component. Um, and I'll use to what's called biofeedback. So it's little sticky electrodes that I can stick on their bum and have them do that, have them pretend you're holding back pee or pretend you're holding back poo. And, and that biofeedback machine will pick up the electrical activity of the pelvic floor. So that's sort of our way around that internal piece that we can still get some good specific information about the muscle side of things. Um, and without doing that piece. Awesome. Cause that would be tough to explain to a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's good to know for sure. Thank mm-hmm. you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. As far as 
bedwetting, you know, that big take home point is that constipation piece. Um, and really that sort of can be the root of, that can be the root of sort of a series of other events that will unfold. So that constipation piece irritating the bladder and then the bladder sort of starts misfiring and then the pelvic floor muscles are kind of out of whack. So they're not holding back the pee as well. Um, so when it comes to, you know, beyond that first appointment, when we sort of figure out based on the history and the physical exam, when we figure out, okay, what do we think is going on here? You know, treatment often involves, it's a lot of education. And, and that's really why the virtual piece was not too hard to transition to with, with these kids when uh, COVID hit and they started doing some stuff over Zoom because so much of it is education around, okay, how do we clear out that constipation? How do we prevent it from coming back with uh, drinking water and fiber and, and having good sort of pee habits during the day? So a lot of it is education. Um, the other piece is often these pelvic floor exercises, sort of strengthening that pelvic floor um, again so that it can get back in control that it gives them that option of or, or being in control too right yes. like sort of taking taking it on um that you know they're starting to be more in control of their bodies and empowering them a bit to to do some of the work so yeah that's fantastic so you mentioned symmetrics your you, north bay um ali is here in north bay we're so lucky to have her and you did mention symmetric so is that where people come September that's where they'll be able to find you symmetric yeah yeah so I think for now I I'll I don't have my email and such set up at symmetrics so I can give my my gateway physio email I'll keep that sort of running okay. um throughout the for the next few months if people do have follow-up questions or want to be in touch then I'll I'll give you that email to use and then, and then things will sort of switch over to symmetrics after that and i will um link symmetrics website as well into the description so if you are in north bay um or actually if you don't even have to be in north bay really because ali can help or um physiotherapist or pelvic floor phil, pelvic physiotherapist um can help virtually now so um, if you're not in North Bay, that is okay. You can still check them out, but uh, come September, if you are in North Bay and hopefully we'll be able to continue with some in-person stuff. Um, yeah, you can reach out and connect with Ali. Well, thank you so much, Ali, for coming. We so appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. This is the bedwetting and night training and nap training. Those are those questions that we um, get quite often. Thanks so much, Ali. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thanks.